This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, as usual with me in studio. My co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How Good are you? Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Uh, pretty uh, pretty uh, heavy date of sports today. Uh, I just, I gauge, uh, I gauge what's going on in sports on, on Sundays just by watching what you're wearing, Naz. And uh, to all our listeners, of course, we also video, live video stream at www.zoomerradio.ca. And if you turn your... Uh, iPad or whatever computer over to that site, you'll see that Naz is in full sporting regalia this morning, wearing his Leafs uh, uh, hoodie and his Argos cap, and uh, underneath... Uh, no, no, it's just the Leafs and Argos <laughs> Leafs today. Leafs and Argos today, so uh, just to give all our listeners a roadmap for the show and the... Uh, Shortly after the first break, we'll be talking to Canadian sport, uh, ho- uh, Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, Carmen and Marcantoni. We'll be talking to him about two topics, uh, the demise of my beloved Azzurri, the Itash- Italian national soccer team, of course. Uh, Italy will not be going to the World Cup uh, this year, which has got a um, uh, big, big topic of conversation in the soccer world. Of course, TFC starts their series against Columbus this week, so we want to talk to Carmina about that. Middle of the hour, senior hockey writer uh, for Post Media Network. Uh, you can find him in the National Post and in the Toronto Sun. Of course, we're talking about Michael Trakos and uh, a lot of hockey topics to talk about. The chief among them, and that's uh, you're sporting the uh, sweatshirt, Naz. That is, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs. But let's uh, let's talk about a topic we... Uh, we talk about uh, every now and then, but it's really close to home and both close to home in a physical sense and in a, in a figurative sense. In the physical sense, we are within a stone's throw of BMO in the studio here. We're down in Liberty Village and right across the way here is BMO and there's a huge game there this afternoon. Naz and I'll, uh, I'll let you take it over from there. Uh, let's well, talk the a little Ar- bit Argos. The Argos are playing Saskatchewan today and it looks like there's going to be a sellout. I think there's only a couple of thousand tickets left left as of yesterday. Uh, 26,000 in the old days wouldn't have been much of a crowd, but uh, for this uh, game, I think it is. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i agree with you there, Naz. Uh, you know, we, we can... Uh I, I think I don't know if it's the word is unfair, but I don't want to evaluate the this edition of the Toronto Argonauts in terms of the additions that uh, we were we were familiar with, and uh, 
late 60s, uh, early 70s. We've talked to Joe Theismann about the, the Argos quite a bit on our show. And Joe's still a very passionate Toronto Argos fan, and he's thrilled, and I'm sure probably be watching the game somewhere today. Uh, we've had uh, sessions with Peter Martin and with Bill Simons. Um, and, of course, uh, so let's – but we don't want to compare this Argos team to the – to the teams of uh, uh, of yesteryear, let's just be positive what uh, of what they've achieved. Uh, it's um, it's good for football. It's good for CFL football in the city of Toronto that there's a buzz, a little bit of a buzz in the city today. Uh, certainly with the sellout, that's a that's a significantly positive development, and. Uh, we're not ashamed to say, Naz, that we're homers, and uh, we, uh, we're, we're homers when it comes to a lot of different things, and uh, we'll be rooting for the uh, Toronto Argonauts today, and hopefully we'll see them in the Great Cup and, uh, next, uh, next week. Yeah, and I, I think they have a shot. They're playing really well in the, the latter part of the year, but so is Saskatchewan, so it'll be a tough matchup for sure. And I'm understanding that there's probably going to be about 5,000 Regina fans there. At the game, and they always make a lot of noise. Well, they make you probably make more noise than the Toronto Argo fans. Of course, the CFL is uh, you know, so many great memories from from our youth, and uh, hopefully, the Argos make some new memories today. Um, it sort of snuck. I'll be honest with you, Naz. Uh, you know, we've talked we've talked Argos uh, not as much, I guess, as we would have liked. The interest hasn't been there as much as we would have liked, uh, but. Um, you know the CFL. The television ratings for the CFL are very good. Very are good. very very good. Uh, so there are a lot of passionate, loyal CFL fans out there. Uh, they exist. Uh, there's going to be a few of them at uh, BMO today, um, and uh, certainly Mark uh, bringing in Mark Tressman uh, has been a, a significantly positive development for the Toronto Argonauts. Um, the organization seems to be pointed in in the right direction. I mean, uh, I mean, they, it, some of the results this year were a little bit. Uh, you know, they finished nine and nine, if I if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so finished first in uh, in the East, and hopefully they get the result today. They go to the Great Cup. It's it's forced me to do a crash course. Reminds me of my <laughs> university days. Uh, I had to had to catch up on what's going on in Argoland uh, to uh, make sure I'm apprised of of the situation. Uh, they've uh, they've got some exciting talent. Uh, they seem to be playing better, and I got a feeling it's gonna be an exciting game. I'm looking outside here in Studio Nez, and uh, doesn't look like there's a cloud in the sky out there right now. So uh, it's gonna be a little bit of a chill down there, down by the lakefront. But so the winds uh, are 70 kilometers. Yeah, uh, Christine was mentioning the weather and uh, 70 kilometers an hour. I'm glad to be watching it from home. <laughs> You're getting soft on me, Ned. Really soft. Oh, I don't know what's going. It's football. It's Canadian I football. Agree, it's agree, expected. You know, this is a beautiful. Twenty years ago, I would have said, "Okay, well, oh, even not today." Uh, Naz, you're getting soft. Come I would e- <laughs> not even the Bills. I would watch in this. Oh, weather, let's so. not talk about the Bills. I understand. Uh, just uh, a minute on the Bills. <laughs> no, you didn't want a to minute talk about on it. the Bills. On the what happened? I understand the thyroid. Tyrod Taylor's not in today, and they got. Some guy is it Nathan Peterman? Nathan Peterman. Is this a Seinfeld episode? Yeah. Uh, with all due respect for Nathan Peterman, I don't know much about him. I wish him all the best of success. Do you remember when uh, Tom Brady ended up on the New England uh, 
Didn't Bledsoe get hurt? Bledsoe got hurt. Bledsoe got hurt, and, and Peterman. Brady, uh, Peterman, was, <laughs> uh, Brady, Brady was came a in. seventh-round pick. Maybe Peterman will, if even if he becomes half the player Brady is, he'll be a fine. A quarter of the player. <laughs> <laughs> a quarter of the player will do it. We're going to go to break very, very shortly. And before we go to break, I want to lead into uh, a topic we're going to talk about with uh, Kahneman and Marcantonio, who's a um, uh, Canadian soccer Hall of Famer and uh, former uh, former player with the, in the National Soccer League in the, in the 70s and early 80s. With the, with, with, in fact, it was on that championship 1976 Toronto's, uh, were they the Blizzard then or the Toronto Met- Metro's, Metro's Croatia. Croatia? Sorry, it was Metro's Croatia. I think they became the Blizzard later on. And they won the NA- uh, NASL Cup that year with, when they had that great team with Eusebio. He was on that team, was on a couple other teams in, in a great era. And uh, Kahneman came over from Italy, I believe, at the age of 12 or 13. So he's got Italian blood in, uh, Italian soccer uh, blood in his veins. And Naz, um, Thankfully, the Toronto Maple Leafs gave a whooping to the Montreal Canadiens last night. I'd have been coming in studio completely and utterly demoralized. Uh, not a bad week. There's probably I don't have a, a, a huge passion for uh, specific a passion for sports, obviously, but there's three teams that I'm still extremely passionate about, and two of them took um, took whoopings. In the last week, of course, the Fighting Irish, who were in contention for the national championship down in the States, took a beat down from the University of Miami Hurricanes the uh, previous Saturday night and sort of eliminated them from the national championship picture. And then my beloved Azzurri, the Italian national soccer team, uh, could not break a defense of Swedish defensive wall um, on Monday, and they will not be in the World Cup. They're joined by a lot of good teams, though, that didn't yeah. qualify. I wonder what, how the qualifying setup was done this time. Well, For having Spain and Italy in the same group is ridiculous. Well, and, and I've uh, had to go back and uh, take a look at how that happened because I had forgotten. And, and, you know, Italy, to a certain extent, has to blame themselves uh, because they seed teams. Uh, and... Uh, for the first time in a long time, Italy didn't uh, didn't get seeded as one of the group, uh, the top teams group that, yeah. that gets seeded. So Spain was seeded number one in that group, and a lot of the other, you know, top national teams. But Italy didn't get to be the number one. And there were some, like some fairly I wouldn't classify as weaker teams that got number one seed, like Wales. Wales is Wales is rated higher in the FIFA rankings right now than Italy is. Wales didn't, I don't believe got through either, but. Uh, so Italy was, uh, you know, they because of they didn't, and and, and it was they were criticized. Um, they weren't high enough in the FIFA rankings to get rated, and 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 a lot. Of, I want to talk to Cadamina about that. A lot of it's got to do with the uh, the arrogance of the Italian system that they just thought that they could waltz their way through. Uh, didn't take some friendly seriously or whatever they did. They didn't end up in the rankings where they should have, and this was the inevitable consequence of it. Anyways, we've got to go to break, and we'll follow up this topic and some TFC soccer as well. And uh, um, later on in the hour, Michael Traco, so I'm sure we're talking about the Leafs and the Habs. We'll be back shortly. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. 
So order now and order often and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, and uh, as usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. We're trying to get a hold of Kahneman and Marc Antonio. For some reason, we're not able to get a hold of him, and uh, we'll keep trying. And, of course, we wanted to talk about the uh, the demise of the Italian national soccer team. Uh, happened this week, and uh, unfortunate. It's the first time since 1958 that uh, Italy... Uh, uh, has not made the World Cup in soccer, and for all of us passionate Azzurri fans, the recriminations started almost immediately. Almost inconceivable that Italy won't be in the World Cup, and uh, unfortunately, um, and that's uh, um, a negative result. Um, it's uh, somehow the World Cup doesn't seem uh, the same without Italy in the in the World Cup. Um, I'm, it's my personal opinion that uh, the soul of soccer resides in two places. One place is, of course, in the European side, Italy, and the other place would be Brazil. Um, the World Cup, um, Italy uh, goes through phases in their uh, goes through phases in their um, in cycles, and when Italian soccer is at the top, and when Italian soccer is at the bottom. And uh, this appears to be a uh, phase that Italy is going through. Uh, and uh, it doesn't seem to be uh, all that positive uh, at this time for Italian soccer. And I know we wanted to chat with Carmen and Marc Antonio. Unfortunately, Carmen is not on the phone. And um, we'll keep trying. Um, 
producer Sebastian, uh, if you can, see if we uh, we wanted to line up uh, Michael Tracos. Why don't you see if you get Michael on the phone pending us trying to get a hold of Conman and Marc Antonio. Uh, Naz, uh, not sure uh, if you saw the the game on Monday, but your your reactions to the uh, to the Italian national soccer team. I did see the game in Sweden. Uh, were thoroughly outplayed, but they held on to it for a 0-0 tie and a very defensive uh, game by Sweden. Seventy-five percent possession by Italy. Couldn't score though. Couldn't couldn't get through, and the Italian manager was severely criticized. Um, the entire organization was criticized. Um, it uh, the the federation, the manager, the talent. Um, my, my what I took from that particular Italian team, um, and I made the comment uh, a year ago um, when I thought when Conte was the manager that they they overachieved to a certain extent. He got more out of that team at the uh, at the Euros the year before, and um, this particular manager I thought was a little bit out of his league, and um, and and it just at the end. Um, there seemed to be a rot in the team. Uh, much criticized for not bringing Lorenzo in, in into uh, into the mix, and um, we're going to. Why ha- do you leave your leading uh, striker on the bench? Yeah, uh, certainly. It's uh, <laughs> like leaving Austin Matthews on the bench. <laughs> well, talking about Austin Matthews, uh, we've uh, decided to change track a little bit on the show. Can't get a hold of Kahneman and Marc Antonio, so uh, we're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour senior hockey writer for Post Media Network. That we're, t- of course, talking about Michael Trakos. Michael, how are you this morning? I'm pretty good. Uh... How are you guys doing this morning? We're doing great. Uh, Leafs, uh, the, the, the performance of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know, Michael, I know you're supposed to be objective, and uh, uh, you, can't, uh, you're, you're, you certainly can't wear your colors on your sleeve the way Naz and I can. But we're, uh, we're certainly uh, I'm, the Leaf performance last night and the beatdown that they put on the, on the Montreal Canadiens helped me uh, somewhat recover from the, from the demise of my beloved Azzurri on Monday. But uh, we're doing great because of the Leafs last night. Michael, tell us, uh, tell us your reaction to the game. You know, I think that was a, an important game for the team. Um, you get Austin Matthews back. Um, you're obviously motivated. Uh, but I think anytime Toronto plays Montreal, um, regardless of where the two teams are in the standings or whether one's a playoff team, whether one's not, I think they're always kind of measuring stick type games. So um, I was in Montreal uh, on the Thursday and the Friday, and I was talking to guys like Brandon Gallagher and other Habs uh, players. And um, even though they're they're playing the Coyotes um, on Thursday, their mind was still on the Leafs, and you knew Montreal wanted to come out and um, make sure that they didn't get embarrassed. Well, that didn't happen. Um, Toronto really had their way with them, and. You know, it really kind of showed the separation between the two teams. Um, Toronto just has way too much talent, uh, top-end talent, and way too much depth uh, for Montreal to really kind of skate with them. And I really thought, aside from maybe what we saw out of Matthews and Marner and Kadri, um, the guy that really stood out for me was Frederick Anderson. Uh, even in the blowout win, uh, that could have went two ways. And uh, the way he played that first period and even in the second really kept Toronto um in the game and really kind of gave them a chance for the offense to really kind of explode uh, uh, after he made a ton of huge saves. 
What happens to Mark Bergevin, Michael? Yeah, it seems like he's um, he's on borrowed time right now. Um, he really used that last kind of uh, bullet in the in, in the chamber last season when he uh, made the coaching change. And with every trade that he's made, it seems like each one has not really worked out for him. And um, the signings that he made in the off season, uh, bringing in guys like Carl Alsner, um, those haven't really panned out either. So uh, you'd have to imagine that. Um, he's in a similar position that uh, Dave Nonis and Brian Burke were kind of in uh, years ago in Toronto where um, he takes over a team and um, starts making changes, really aimed at winning a cup. And because they haven't really worked out, um, this team is further away and maybe possibly even looking at a, a potential rebuild in the next year or two. Um, I don't think he's going to be the one at the helm, that's for sure. What are you hearing about Carey Price? You were in Montreal. Anything, any word on it? It doesn't seem like he's practicing. It doesn't seem like anything is happening with him. Oh, well, with the way the, the team is playing in front of their goalie, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Carey Price is like, hey, <laughs> what's the rush of getting back now? Are you kidding me? Like, find him. It's almost like, he, it's kind of funny. Like, you see Austin Matthews go down and the least play uh, a, a renewed kind of defensive game. And, Price goes down, and it seems like the team is just like hanging a goalie um, out the dry. So um, I don't know when he's coming back. Uh, like I said, if I'm him, I'm saying, you know what? I'll come back when the team gets their act together. Uh, we're talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, as, as Naz mentioned, you were in Montreal uh, uh, last few days. Um, and uh, things have to be pretty, pretty intense in Montreal right now. They lose to. Uh, uh, Arizona the other night, and they take a, a – uh, mind you, they, they played fairly well in the first period last night. They got stoned by Anderson, but, you know, they sort of seem to give it up in the, in the, in the third period. Any sense at all uh, as to what kind of uh, leash uh, Julien and Bergevin have? Uh, how, Montreal, they don't like uh, having to deal with that kind of stuff. Uh, what do you sense in terms of their future? Well, I think Julian's uh, future is, uh, I think, well, his short-term future at least is safe. Um, this is still a respected coach and really hasn't even been on the job for a full year. Um, so I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, but, yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, I think Mark Bergevin is on parole time. Um, it, it's difficult. Like, if you're Claude Julian and you're expected to win games, well, I don't, I don't necessarily think you've got the uh, the horses to kind of be a complete team. A, you're missing Carey Price, and when he was in there, he wasn't playing like Carey Price of old. But just uh, offensively, this is a team with a lot of holes. Um, you look at what Toronto is able to do, and you can throw guys up and down the lineup, whether it's a Connor Brown or Mitch Marner or whoever, um, or Matt Martin. Um, each guy's finding success, whether it's on the first, second, third, or fourth line. In Montreal, it's the opposite. you got a guy like Jonathan Drouin and Max Pacioretty who just really haven't got going this season. And I don't know if it's them, if it's their line mates, if it's the, the mix uh, in terms of who's playing with whom. But um, there's a lot of problems in Montreal, and they're not going to be solved by one trade or one free agent signing. So um, it's a difficult, difficult position they're in. And, you know, I, I know you guys uh, being on the, uh, the show um months ago, um, I seem to be more optimistic about Montreal's playoff chances than you guys were. It seemed like um, 
I, I, I got a feeling that uh, this team was still a little closer to being a contender um, going into the season, and that's purely for the fact that they had Carey Price, and I thought the Jonathan Truran trade was it was going to be a jolt uh, shot in the arm in terms of the offense, and uh, by no means that I think this was a um, a complete team, but I did not see. Um, just how far this team has really fallen. And it is reminiscent of those Toronto Maple Leaf teams of old where um, you had Kessel, you had Phaneuf, and on paper you're saying, okay, well, they, they do have some name players, and um, if they can just get some goaltending and some help here. But um, day after day, it seems like there's controversy brewing in Montreal and a dysfunction in the, in the dressing room or whatever you want to call it. Um, it all adds up to a team that really is – fallen really fast and hard on the, um, down to uh, a team that maybe might be the worst in Canada. Michael, I noticed last night uh, Ben and um, uh, Ben, one of the defensemen, was after Matthews all night. Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben. And uh, they took him off, they took Matthews off the line, put him, put him with Marner and uh, Matt Martin. It seemed to help. People were laying off Matthews. He what do you think of Babcock's uh, choices? It was really strange last night how he mixed up the lines. Yeah, well, I, I was really interested in seeing how uh, Matthews and Marner were going to play, and that's that, those are two guys that I, I think a lot of uh, writers uh, have been just kind of curious as to how they were going to work. And I really like the idea that when the lines did get jumbled or uh, juggled, that uh, those two found ice at the same time and really found instant chemistry, like. Uh, Two goals by Matthews, both were assisted by uh, Marner, and that first one was just a gorgeous pass. And uh, uh, like hearing the post-game comments, it doesn't sound like those lines are going to last at all. But it just gave the Leafs another option. I think um, in another situation where uh, Babcock is looking to, like you said, move a guy away from another defensive shutdown uh, pair um, and just try something new. Um, If Nylander, Hyman, Matthews isn't going you know you got uh, Matthews, Marner, Martin in your back pocket now. So it, it was kind of interesting. And I think as the season goes on, we're going to see more and more of that. Like we still haven't seen Matthews play with Marlowe with any kind of consistency. And um, don't be surprised if we see that uh, in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, I think now is the time where you can kind of experiment with uh, line changes and uh, different kind of combinations. But, um, ultimately, I think Babcock is just looking for some balance in the lineup, uh, and <laughs> really, you can't really complain when you put up six goals no. against the Habs. No, it's um, not at all. And just in terms of how the team's been playing, like whether it's in a defensive shutdown game that they're playing against uh, a team like New Jersey, or if they're kind of opening things up in the second and third period, like Montreal, this is a team that can win in a variety of different ways right now. It's uh, interesting you mentioned that. We're talking to Michael Trakos. Interesting, uh, when the Leafs were uh, at the beginning of the year, when they had that good run where they were beating up teams 8-5 and 7-4 and those kinds of things, I, I'm, I think I made the comment, that's all great, all fine and dandy, but they got to learn to win the 2-1, 3-2 games. And what's, what's, what's heartening as a Leaf fan uh, from this week is the two shutouts. Because those those are the types of games, like especially a one nothing game in 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 overtime. I mean, against a against a, a good a skilled team like the Devils seem to have become all of a sudden. Uh, I think that 
that is more promising than 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 the eight five blowouts that we saw earlier in the year. But uh, Michael, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, we tend as Leaf fans to micromanage the team, and we uh, we get up and down based on one performance or two performances, and we don't look at the long haul. Uh, we've had an opportunity to go through a little bit of a slump, and now we're on a roll. I think we're going on the road for 15 out of 20, if I'm not mistaken. Where's your sense of the, the chatter around the league in, in terms of where the Leafs fit in in the, in the echelon? They seem to have become perhaps an upper echelon team. Tampa seems to have taken their team to a different level. Uh, perhaps St. Louis, perhaps... Uh, L.A. Kings, where do you? What's your sense of where the Leafs fit in uh, in the echelon uh, in the NHL today? Oh, I think they're right there. Uh, maybe not as consistently dominant as Tampa Bay, but uh, I think it's just a matter of time. Like, like I'm a squash player, and I, and I play T and D squash, which means I travel around, you go to different clubs and whatnot. And typically, you go to these clubs, and you'll have like a top junior there, and Sometimes you'll beat that kid who's like 12 or 13 the first time around, and then later in the season you'll play that same kid, and you'll it'll just be a completely different story. And just from days and weeks and months of maturation, um, he'll just have grown so much. And I think Toronto's in a very similar spot. Like the, the team we see right now um, in, I guess, middle of November is going to be so much better um, in a few more months. And it's just natural maturation, evolution, and development uh, of the young players and really as a team. So um, what we saw to the Leafs in October versus November, um, you mentioned um, it's, it's a tighter defensive team. I think really the, the biggest growth isn't even with the young guys. It's with uh, a guy like Frederick Anderson, who, like last season, uh, was already off to a terrible start um, by his standards in that. And slowly... Um, it came a little slower this year, but I think we're seeing a different kind of goaltender in the last week or so. And um, he seems to be really motivated to be um, maybe not the grand fear of this team, but a guy that can actually steal some games from them. And I think that's a huge, huge development. Uh, when you're looking at how offensively gifted and um, just dangerous this team is, really the only thing that they were missing early on was, um, again, with their defense, but more importantly, Frederick Anderson wasn't really going in there stealing any kind of victories. And the the first period against the Habs, how he played against New Jersey, where, you know what, Jersey probably should have came out maybe with the win in that game based on um, how many chances they had and how tight it was. And to go one-on-one against Corey Schneider is not an easy task. But uh, I think in the last week or so, we've really seen Frederick Anderson raise his game. And if he can do that, uh, the Leafs are just going to go with them. So, um, yeah, like I said, we, we know how offensively gifted this team is. If, if they can get the, the defensive and the goaltending help and uh, raise that part of their game, um, yeah, there's no reason why this team isn't up there with the Kings, with the, the Lightning and who, with whoever else, whether it's the Jets or uh, anyone else in the league in terms of that upper echelon talent. Michael, if Montreal Canadiens have to regroup, are uh, Weber and Price tradable? It's a tough one. Like Price, as good as he is, he's going to have a new contract kick in next year that's worth, what is it, eight years and uh, with a $10.5 million yeah. cap hit. Like, find me a lot of teams that can kind of fit that kind of goaltender under their cap right now. It's difficult. Um, 
at the same way, if you're rebuilding, do you or can you rebuild with a goaltender that's really going to make it so that you're not going to be a bottom feeder and you're not going to be in that bottom five? So uh, it, it really is kind of difficult. And does Carey Price even want to be around uh, for like maybe a five-year rebuild? Um, it's, it's two different kind of questions. So um, that, that's the tough one with Price. With the Weber, he's not the same Shea Weber that he was uh, when Nashville traded him, and with every year he's going to have a sort of decline. I'm not saying that Weber is finished by any stretch of the imagination because I still think if Canada was going to the Olympics, he's on that roster, uh, no questions asked. But um, it's silly to think that um, his best days are, are behind him. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. Um, I don't think you're really going to be finding an easy trade partner for either one of those guys. My, uh, Michael, uh, Ron Hainsey, we were a little bit critical of the signing before the year started. He's played pretty well, hasn't he? Oh, I've been the big <laughs> surprise of the team in my mind. Um, and, uh, yeah, count me amongst the group that was kind of skeptical as to what Ron Hainsey was going to look like on this roster. And um, it could have been one of those moves where in the past it would have blown up for Toronto where you're going, gee, they, they, they took a gamble on an old guy to quote-unquote help the young guys. And, um, it really has worked out, and I think Morgan Riley will tell you that uh, this is probably the most fun and the easiest he's had um, playing defense for the Leafs. He finally has a guy out there that can really allow Morgan Riley to be the player that he wants to be, which is um, maybe a little bit more offensive, maybe take a, a little few more chances. And I'm not saying that Morgan Riley's turned into Jake Gardner where he's running and gutting up and down the ice, but uh, I think you'd have to say that in the last few years, this is a guy that uh, wasn't being able to showcase the kind of offensive tools that he's got in his toolbox. And with Ron Hainsey there and playing a really steady kind of uh, defensive game, I think Riley has just been able to kind of uh, elevate his game and add a little bit more skill to the mix. And it, it really is interesting to see. We've been talking to Michael Traco, senior hockey writer for Post Media Network. Michael, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey. Uh, enjoy the rest of the Go Argos, go. Take care. That, of course, was Michael Trakos. Um, uh, Naz, uh, just wanted to follow up on uh, on the Leafs-Habs game for last night before we go to break, and we managed, did manage to get hold of Kahneman and Mark Antonio, so we'll have them on right after the break. But I think they should bring Dave Keon to all of the Toronto Maple Leaf uh, Montreal Canadiens <laughs> games. Uh, you created uh, <laughs> a monster there, Walt. Because <laughs> he was in the house last night, a, a great ceremony, and uh, uh, Dave Keon was known in the 60s as the ultimate hab killer because... Uh, you know, it was it was an era, the one era in uh, perhaps in the 40s as well, when the Toronto Maple Leafs actually used to beat the Canadians more than, uh, and Keon was the prime reason why. So uh, every time Munch, every time Toronto's playing Montreal at the uh, at the Bell Center, I'd love to see Keon there because I think there's uh, he's uh, he's pr- he's bringing good luck to the team uh, certainly. Anyways, uh, we've got to go to break, and we'll be right back with Carmen Marcantonio. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from, call Pizzaville at 736-3636. Or visit pizzaville.ca. 
At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. Simulcasting in downtown Toronto on 96.7 FM and live streaming www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer Carmen Marcantonio. Carmen, how are you this morning? Hey, Walter. Well, thank you. Sorry about the missed call. In, in, uh, I wouldn't worry. Carmen, this is live radio, my friend. Yeah, Everything goes. Don't I worry. Where you? I did on silence. <laughs> you know what? When you get to 63 like I am in a few days, uh, the first thing to go is uh, my hearing. Uh, you're doing, Kadmi. You're doing okay, and uh, congrat. We'll give you uh, pre- uh, pre- uh, congratulations ahead of time for your 63. But Kadmi, we want to get right into it. We chatted about it briefly. Uh, I know that you and I and Naz are beloved, uh, beloved supporters of uh, the Italian national soccer team, given our cultural heritage and our beloved Azzurri. Um, just ignominiously went down to defeat. Not that they lost the game on Monday, but they tied 0-0 and they needed a result and they were knocked out of the 2018 World Cup. And I was, as I was saying earlier, uh, it's a diminished World Cup. Uh, the soul of soccer, in my opinion, has always resided in Italy and Brazil and half of the soul of soccer is going to be missing this coming summer, although I'm sure... All the non-Italians will disagree with me, but that's fine. Uh, but what happened, Carmina? Well, uh, what happened? I think it's uh, Walter. It's it's very, uh, you know, a pro- the biggest problem I think with this Italian team was the coach. I believe because I think Italy still has enough talent to to beat Sweden. Uh, it's not that they didn't try, as you say. They they. Over two games, uh, I thought they were in in the first game for at least a tie. 
they didn't create a lot of chances, but neither did uh, Sweden. You know, they had a fluky goal, and uh, they put it on the physical. You know, you know that Sweden, they are physical players. They're very organized, and um, Italy wasn't good enough. Uh, in, the, in the first game, I, I thought they were just mediocre. The second game, I expected that, you know, for them to win. Uh, I expected the coach to, you know, renew the team, renovate the team with some young players uh, going forward. And, um, and I think what happened is that the coach, uh, Ventura, did not read the, the situation well. In front of in San Siro, needing to win by two goals, you don't go with Barzali, who's age 38, uh, that played the first game and, uh, and and put him in in that second crucial game. You go with, uh, you know, you need, you need to attack the flanks. You could have put uh, Zappacosta, who's, uh, who's with Chelsea and who was with Ventura with Torino. He's a, he's a, he's a dynamic uh, right fullback that becomes a winger. He could have combined... Uh, very well, we can drive on the right side because you had to attack Sweden on the, in the flanks because they were all you know behind the ball and they were all put a defensive wall. So how, what do you do? It, you know, you go you go in, in football. People to understand the game, uh, you have to attack in the flanks to try to open them up. And uh, and they, we didn't do it. You know, those crosses uh, that came from midfield, uh, uh, Sweden won them all. And um, Kind so of minute. That was a problem. I thought that was a problem. Kind of minute. Let me let me take a step backwards here, and certainly we want to move on to uh, you know TFC as well, and we don't necessarily want to dwell entirely on, on on Italian soccer, but I do want to raise the issue with Italian soccer in this sense. Uh, okay, so they lost, you know, on, basically on a fluky goal to on a deflected goal to Sweden. They dominated two games. Um, they had, as 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 Sid Sixero called, said it on the air the other day, they had a bargain heralds manager. Um, um, you can be critical about this particular edition of the Italian national soccer team. I thought they overachieved. I thought Conte took brought way more out of this team that it deserved. I want to talk about Italian soccer in, in the context of the cycle that it's going through. I, I just don't think Italian soccer um, is producing necessarily world-class players in the way it used to and it's not one of the dominant soccer nations either at the club level uh, it hasn't been in 10 years uh, or at the national level basically since 2006 although they had a couple of good runs and got deep into and had some but uh, I just don't think Italian soccer is what it used to be uh, Spanish soccer took their game to a completely different level in the last 10, 15 years. Spanish and Portuguese soccer always used to be considered inferior to Italian soccer. What happened? Well, correct. I mean, what's happened is, uh, look at Germany, it's youth, okay? Unfortunately, the Ita- Italian, this, it's in a crisis. The economy, the nation, they're in a somewhat of a crisis, and it shows in their football because uh, they don't produce enough good Italian players. If you look around, all the top Italian teams have foreign players. Uh, there's very few Italian talent that is starting with the top teams. And as you know, so there's not a youth movement. What, what Spain has done, they went to a youth movement after they all their failures in, in the World Cup, in the European Cup. And, and the last generations, in the last, about, I would say, the last 10 years, 
Spain has produced some very good, talented young players, and they keep producing. Same thing with Germany. What Germany did, the, the federation, after their failure in the uh, in South Africa, after losing at home to in, in the semifinals to Italy in the in their World Cup, they went to a youth movement, and they sh the results show. Uh, you mentioned the other team that uh, you know Portugal is producing some very young, uh, talented uh, players, uh, and and that's what happened. That's what's happened with Italy. We don't have enough young talent. But yet, uh, just to finish on my point with Ventura, the most talented player that we probably have, the most informed player that's playing at the top level, and I saw him yesterday too with Napoli Milan, Insigne, played a whole 15 minutes. El Sharawi that has been playing a young uh, Italian player that from Egyptian extraction, Played 15 minutes. These are two young players that play start with the, you know, on, on their uh, respective team with Roma and with Napoli. And Ventura thought of playing Immobile and Bellotti, that are two of the same, you know, instead of one of those. Insigne should have played, as far as I'm concerned, should have played both games from the beginning. So it, it, it's not that we don't have enough talent. You know, look, look at Jovinko. I mean, Jovingo is only 29-30, and he's playing in the MLS. He's starting every game. He should be considered to play in the national team. He, he called Gabbiadini that doesn't even play with Southampton oh, yeah. and played him and played him in that crucial uh, last game in Milano. With, yeah. You know, so it's a bit of two. I think as a, as a manager, you gotta select the players that are playing. They play in day in and day out with their respective clubs. And this coach didn't do it. Uh, Academy, just on that Jovanko point, that so we can uh, a few minutes left. We do want to bring the, the discussion closer to home. Uh, I think it's shameful that uh, they didn't call up Jovanko. Uh, I think it it, it 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 signifies a certain arrogance in Italian soccer that they don't believe that uh, anything that we do over here is worthwhile. Jovanko has been the best player in MLS for the last two years. And the fact that he wasn't on the Italian national soccer team, to me, is, is an absolutely shameful decision. And it demonstrates a certain backwards thinking in Italian soccer. And I, I just want to leave Italian soccer uh, right now. At I'm just going to throw this out there. Ventura's gone. they got a clean house, uh, remove some of, the, some of the older players from the team. They've done their service. You need youth in sports today. You need young legs. And, and, and I'd have a, an entire look at that entire federation, and I'd probably get rid of them all and bring in some young, forward-thinking people like some of the other federations have done in Europe. And if Italian soccer is going to move forward, which I think it will, um, um, that's what they need to do. Jovenko, TFC. Columbus Crew, uh, we're down to the short strokes. Um, uh, we're going to be missing Jovenko and Altador. They've produced almost 50% of the TFC goals this year. What does Vanny do to overcome that tactical? Uh, that, uh, what does he do on a tactical basis in the first game to, uh, to try and uh, soften the blow for missing his basically two best players? Yeah, that's a big loss for the two of them combined well, and they, 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 they've had a great season. Uh, and, and as I said, they, they like to play with each other. And uh, so that's a, you know, a good combination for, for 
Vanny got uh, to be missing both of them. But um, in the past, uh, Jovinko not long ago was injured, and uh, I think also Altidog was injured. Uh, and Ricketts came in, and I think in Columbus he scored two goals, and they won 3 1. So I believe that Ricketts will start uh, in, instead of uh, Altidog. Uh, replacing Jovinko will be a bit difficult. I'm not sure if he's going to go with Young Edwards on the left. Um, who else could take his place? I'm not sure at this point. Uh, I would say probably Edwards uh, on, on the left side. That is more of a defensive. So uh, Van is going to probably be looking at playing with one forward uh, and then with Edwards pushing forward on the left. And uh, Vasquez is going to be the key in this game with uh, Bradley. Those two have been the leaders in, in at midfield. And uh, I think if we come, if uh, uh, Toronto FC comes with a positive result, not losing, scoring at least a, a goal, you know, 1-1 one, one would be ideal. Coming home, uh, I think we should clinch it and, and get the final again, uh, go to the final and this, this time win it. Well, we certainly hope for that result. Uh, um, going back to um, any criticism of um, any criticism of Altador and Jovenko, uh, in terms of getting suspended in the last game, I mean, I, I think you when you're when you are the best players on a team, don't you have a certain responsibility to make sure that um, you know you don't get thrown out? I'm sure Vanny got upset and he gave he gave his uh, he, he spoke his mind. And uh, if I were the coach, I'd be upset at the two of them myself because for what they get paid, both of them designated players, and with their experience. You know, Jovinko, he knows he's going, he's running a yellow card with another one he's going to be missing the game. So, you know, there's too many antics. If there's one thing negative with Jovinko because he's, he's doing it on the field. But sometimes he's looking for the free kick for the easy way out too many times and, and, and complaining to the referees too many times and giving this stupid, that was a stupid yellow card that he could have avoided very very easily. And the same thing with Altador. I think with Altador, uh, they got him under his skin. The fact that the, you know, the U.S. got knocked out of the World Cup like Italy did, and that was also a big shock, uh, the U.S. not making it. I think that the, the, the fans in New York and the players in New York players kind of got him under the skin with what's his name, the, the captain of New York, I forget his name, that he got into an altercation with. Yep. And, uh, and that resulted in suspension. And I thought, I thought rightly so, because he was nervous in both games. Altidore. I felt that he got too, too involved in stupidity, and, and at that level, they should avoid it. By the way, I want to say, talking about youth, and, and, and I know it's nothing to do with uh, TFC, even though Vanny should get all the credit because he put a great product on the field with a lot of youth. But look at the Leafs, you know, talking, going back to Italy. Look at what the Leafs, congratulations. I know you're a Leafs fan, 6 nothing, with some, you know, young talent. And, and that tells you all, going back to Italy and TFC and everything else. you got to see outside the box. And, and unfortunately, going back to Italy, this coach, this the federation, they, they, they're, they're, they're dinosaur. They, they, they didn't see that youth is where you go and that's how you win games, you know. Gotta improvise and, and and use the talent and and, and the new blood. That's uh, like hopefully they're gonna do it. But congratulations to the Leafs. That was an amazing uh, victory yesterday. I know 
you, you love, you're a fan of the Leafs. So, you know, that tells you all about the youth movement that they're doing. And uh, hopefully it will result to a Stanley Cup. I wasn't here that year, by the way. I want to see a celebration <laughs> in Toronto because I came in 1968. I missed it by one year when I came to Toronto. I think you'll see TFC in there first. They're going to have a parade over here at uh, Liberty Village. We're going to have two this year. I hope so. One and the Toronto Maple Leafs one. I hope. I hope it's, it's, it could happen. It could happen because both teams, I think, this year have the, the talent to, to win it all. You brought up something, Mark Antonio, about, uh, about the different teams not making it, uh, the U.S. not making it. Looks like there's a lot of teams not there. Netherlands, Chile, amongst others. Uh, what's happened with the qualification? Are they fair? Well, the, the problem is that I think international football is is narrowed. The, the, you know, they're so equal the, the teams, and even the the smaller clubs. Look at Sweden and look at. I mean, they're not that. You know, they're not that. They're big guys, and but. Some of the, these other nations uh, have come a long way, and you know Costa Rica and in North America and in uh, Concacaf, and um, the other one that made it is um, is uh, Mexico. We know they're a powerhouse, but you know Costa Rica has come a long way in, in Concacaf, and Honduras uh, that beat uh, you know the the, the U.S. to to, to that uh, other spot. So you know, so look at Asia and and, and other nations. Uh, right now, the the powerhouses uh, are Germany, Brazil, still that uh, you know Argentina, they're powerhouse. But other than that, every other nation you know could compete very well because uh, there's less time in space. You know, everybody's more skilled, and they're all big, good athletes nowadays. I mean, it's happening in every sport that, uh, you know, they prepare for the game. And uh, so you don't have the gap that it used to be in the past. And, and, and so any, anything can happen. And that's beautiful for sport in general, that even the underdog a lot of times can make it to the... Look at Iceland. Iceland is a perfect example of a nation of 400,000 people. It's 325,000, Carmen. Carmen, Carmen uh, Walter's favorite team other than Italy is uh, Iceland. I, I've adopted Iceland as my home team for the yeah, next World Cup. Yeah, now. now gonna, <laughs> you and I are going to be cheering for them. Anyways, Carmen, we're, we're just about to run out of, wrap out of time, and we'll finish it this way. Um, I'm sure you and I are both old enough to remember... 1966, Italy lost to North Korea, and when they came home from England, people showed up at the airport and threw eggs and tomatoes at them as they came off the plane. (laughs) I'm sure you remember, Italians always talk about that loss to North Korea. Yeah. yeah. But uh, four years later, four years later, they were in the final of the World Cup against Brazil. I have every reason to suspect uh, Italian soccer is not dead, and uh, they will turn this around. I, I agree with you. It's, uh, it's, uh, they need to reborn, rethink uh, their, their system, and uh, hopefully we'll do, we'll, history will repeat itself. I mean, it's too bad for Toronto. I want to finish with this. 82 in, in 2006, we know our generation and our kids' generation celebrated the, in, in Canada in general. Yep. Uh, that's you know the, the economy is going to suffer because Italy is not in the World Cup. You know we have a big uh, Italian community in Canada, 
and you know and Carmen, on that on that note unfortunately i'm getting a signal from the producer you guys uh, i'm going to let you go nice to talk to you guys it's a pleasure thanks so much bye bye Walter Nass. Thanks so Thank much, Carmen and Marc Antonio, Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer. Nas, 10 seconds, go last Argos words. Go Argos, go. Go Argos, go. next Sunday. Let's hope so. It would be great. Next Sunday on the Nazawali Sports Hour, leader of the Conservative Party federally, Andrew Shear, will be talking to us about sports. To everyone, have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.